98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Alex Price. The headlines. Taiwan murder suspect Chan Tongkai walks free from prison. There's a report that Beijing is preparing to replace Carrie Lam as chief executive and the government's business relief policy comes under fire from a pro-establishment party. Chan Tongkai, the murder suspect wanted by Taiwan, whose case sparked the political crisis, was released from prison this morning amid a legal wrangle over his future. He had served 18 months for stealing the belongings of his girlfriend, who was killed in Taipei last year. Jimmy Choi reports. Emerging from Pekup prison and faced by a crowd of journalists, Mr Chan bowed and directly apologised to the family of his dead girlfriend, Poon Hu Wing. Um, I understand that I've done something wrong and irrevocable, and it has brought enormous grief and suffering to her family. It has always weighed on my conscience. So I'm willing to surrender myself, face trial, and serve a sentence in Taiwan. He also thanked his parents for the support and said he hoped society would forgive him and allow him to make a fresh start. To society and to the people of Hong Kong, I can only say I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. I hope you can give me a chance to make a fresh start in life and repay society. He left by a car accompanied by Anglican pastor Peter Kuhn, who had earlier persuaded him to turn himself in to Taiwan authorities. Mr Chen confessed to killing Poon Hu Wing in Taipei last year after she told him she was pregnant from a former boyfriend. He fled back to Hong Kong, which has no extradition agreement with Taiwan, but was jailed in April for stealing Ms Poon's money and valuables. He was released early because of time already served and good behaviour. His case was used by the chief executive, Carrie Lam, as the justification for the now-abandoned extradition bill. Public opposition to the plan led to the ongoing protests, which have continued and widened into broader calls for democracy and reform. Meanwhile, the government has dismissed a request from Taiwan authorities to send officers here to escort Mr Chan to Taipei, saying they have no jurisdiction in the SAR. Here's Janice Wong. The government accused Taipei of showing no respect in its latest bid to resolve the problems that have arisen after Chan indicated that he's willing to surrender to the Taiwan authorities over the killing of his girlfriend, Poon Hu Wing, on the island in February 2018. It called the request totally unacceptable, saying Taiwan has no law enforcement power in Hong Kong. The government statement said Taiwan could arrest Chan when he arrived if it cancelled its earlier ban on him travelling to the island. Taiwan had said earlier it would not take him in unless Hong Kong offers full judicial cooperation in the case, including providing the island with all relevant evidence gathered here. Beijing is reportedly drawing up plans to replace Carrie Lam with an interim chief executive, following almost five months of violent anti-government protests. Wendy Wong reports. The Financial Times says if President Xi Jinping goes ahead with a plan, Carrie Lam's assessor will be installed by March and cover the remainder of her term, which ends in 2022. Quoting unnamed sources, it said we're close to deliberations. The article said leading candidates include the former head of the Monetary Authority, Norman Chan, and former Chief Secretary, Henry Tang. The sources said Chinese officials wanted the situation to stabilize before making a final decision, as they didn't want to be seen as giving in to violence. 
Mr. Tang campaigned to be chief executive in 2012, but his popularity plummeted after it was found he had built an elaborate basement at his home without approval. Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Chuk Ting said he was astonished by the report. It violates the basic law requirements. If there is any vacancy of chief executive, there should be a by-election to so-called select and other chief executive as a successor. But if there is no by-election, it will ruin the important constitutional arrangement to select the chief executive. Liberal Party leader Felix Chong says the government's $2 billion relief package announced yesterday for the retail, catering and transport sectors will help, but their main concern is when the crisis will be solved. He told RTHK the industries had seen business drop 30 to 50 percent and they may not be able to survive another two months of unrest. If you look at the policy address, I think the government is a bit naive to ask people to stop it without the government doing anything or just urging people to stop protesting. I think that is very naive. I mean, the government certainly have to do a lot of things to settle the crisis. For example, there is a consensus from the general public that independent investigation commission has to be set up. A restructure of the whole government have to think about that. So, I mean, at least these two particular factors the government must do. Turning overseas, and the British government has for the first time succeeded in getting Brexit legislation approved by Parliament. But minutes after voting to accept Prime Minister Boris Johnson's withdrawal agreement bill, politicians rejected a proposal to rush through the legislation formalising Britain's withdrawal from the European Union in just three days. The leader of the main opposition Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, rejected the tight timetable. To propose a programme motion at the end of this debate will mean that all 68 clauses got to be considered and voted on within the next, what, 24, 48 hours, starting this evening, is actually an abuse of Parliament and a disgraceful attempt to dodge accountability, scrutiny and any kind of proper debate. Mr Johnson said the ball was now in the European Union's court. The EU must now make up their minds over how to answer Parliament's request for a delay. And the first consequence, Mr Speaker, is that the government must take the only responsible course and accelerate our preparations for a no-deal outcome. Delay means the government is now unlikely to meet the Brexit deadline of the 31st of this month. The President of the European Council, Donald Tusk, said he would recommend the other EU countries approve Britain's request for an extension. Here's the BBC's Kevin Connolly. Shortly after proceedings in the Commons were over, Mr Tusk tweeted that he'd be recommending acceptance of the British request for an extension. Mr Tusk says he'll be proposing a written procedure. In other words, that the leaders will come to agreement by letter or email. If he secures that agreement, there'll be no dramatic emergency summit of EU leaders to thrash out the terms of an extension. The top US diplomat in Ukraine has testified that he was told President Trump had made the release of military aid to Ukraine contingent on a public declaration from Kiev that it would carry out an investigation into the former Democratic Vice President Joe Biden. Acting Ambassador William Taylor was addressing the Congressional Committees leading an impeachment inquiry against the President. 
Mr. Trump has called the investigation a lynching, prompting immediate condemnation by African-American Democrats. The Deputy White House Press Secretary, Hogan Gidley, said it was a politically motivated attempt to remove President Trump from office. Impeachment in this particular instance, he is not receiving due process. We all are aware of the situation in which, in which Democrats are taking him behind closed doors, releasing selective things, not in context, trying to attack and destroy this president. An investigation into whether Facebook stifled competition and put users at risk has grown, with the attorneys general of 47 U.S. states and territories joining the probe. The inquiry, led by the New York Attorney General Letitia James, is trying to determine whether Facebook may have endangered consumer data, reduced the quality of consumers' choices, or increased the price of advertising. It began in September, with eight states involved, including New York. Turkish and Russian leaders have announced a deal on northeastern Syria that will give Kurdish fighters 150 hours to withdraw 30 kilometres from the Turkish border. After meeting President Putin, the Turkish leader Recep Tayyip Erdogan also said the two countries would work together for the safe return of Syrian refugees. Here's the BBC's Sebastian Usher. Just before a US-brokered ceasefire in northeastern Syria was due to expire, the agreement between President Erdogan and Putin has effectively extended it. After some seven hours of talks, they told a news conference in the Russian city of Sochi that Kurdish fighters would also have to withdraw from the towns of Manbij and Tel Rifat. Under the deal, Turkey would maintain the area of its current military operation, some 118 kilometers along the border between Tel Abyad and Ras Alain, and 32 kilometers deep inside Syria. There would be joint Russian and Turkish patrols on either side of the zone. The government of the Indian state of Tamil Nadu has commended veterinary surgeons for removing 52 kilograms of plastic from a cow's digestive system. The five and a half hour surgery was carried out by vets in Chennai. One of the surgeons said it wasn't unusual to find plastic bags in cows that forage the streets, but the amount of material found this time was unprecedented and alarming. Activists say it's a vivid example of the extent of the plastic pollution in large cities. The North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has criticised what he called shabby, unpleasant-looking facilities at a tourist resort originally developed as a cross-border project with South Korea. Visiting the Mount Kumgang region in North Korea's east coast, Mr Kim said the buildings must be knocked down and rebuilt using modern North Korean methods. The BBC's Laura Bicker reports from Seoul. Kim Jong-un described the famous tourist site, which was once hailed as a defining symbol of inter-Korean ties, as being built like makeshift tents in a disaster-stricken area. The state media release also claimed Mr Kim said the hotels and restaurants at Mount Kumgang would be better off being managed without South Korean involvement. South Koreans were once allowed to visit the region, but tours were suspended in 2008 after a female tourist was shot dead by a North Korean guard. Seoul has hoped to resume the cross-border project. The Russian Navy says it's discovered five new islands which have appeared from underneath melting glaciers in the Arctic. The islands were found in two archipelagos off the northern coast of Russia. As the Arctic ice melts due to global warming, Russia and other nations are hoping to open up new shipping routes and exploit resources that were previously hard to reach. Financial news now and in currencies. The US dollar is trading at 108.32 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 11 cents, while the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 7 cents. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 26,540. That's 249 points down on the previous close. Turnover was $37 billion. Now to sports and here's Adam Germ.
Baseball's Washington Nationals have made an impressive World Series debut by beating the Astros in Houston to steal Game One of the Best of Seven Championship Series. Juan Soto drove in three Washington runs. His contributions include a home run to tie the game and a two-run double to score what turned out to be the winning run in a 5-4 win. The Nationals came in as heavy underdogs, but they found a way to hand Houston starter Jared Cole his first loss since May. Here's their manager, Dave Martinez. As I said, he's really good. I never doubt our guys ever. Um, they come out to play. Um, we have a game plan. Uh, they stick with it. You know, sometimes things don't go well, but I believe in those guys in there every single day, and they're going to come out and play and not give up to the last out. 35-year-old Ryan Zimmerman, who's played his whole career with the Nationals, hit the first home run in the World Series in franchise history. The two teams go back at it tomorrow. Steven Strasburg starts for the Nationals against eight-time All-Star Justin Verlander. Now, the Toronto Raptors have made a winning start to their NBA title defense. Fred Van Fleet had a career night as the new-look Raptors defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 130-122 to in overtime to kickstart the new season. Van Fleet scored a personal best 34 points on his first opening night start. Before the game, Canada's team received the biggest championship rings in NBA history, and they unveiled a banner celebrating their triumph over the Golden State Warriors four months ago. Raptors star Pascal Siakam has been speaking about his hunger for more success. As a champion, you know, if you ask every champion, you know, once they get that taste, they always want it back. So, for, for me, that, that's that's my next goal, my next focus. You know, just continue to, to build. Um, we have a completely different team. It's exciting. Um, just new roles, people stepping up into different things. Like that's what you that's what you play for. It's an exciting time, and, and we're all excited about the season. Next to Champions League football, where Tottenham are back on track after winning at home in a blowout. Harry Kane and Song Hyo Min each had two goals as Tottenham blasted Red Star Belgrade 5-0. Spurs moved up to second in Group B behind Bayern Munich, who beat Olympiacos 3-2. Kylian Mbappe scored a hat-trick as PSG thrashed Club Bruges 5-0. In the same group, Real Madrid picked up their first win, beating Galatasaray 1-0 on a goal by Tony Cruz. Group C leaders Manchester City beat Atalanta 5-1. Juventus came from a goal down to beat Lokomotiv Moscow 2-1. They lead Group D, level on points with Atletico Madrid, who were 1-0 winners over Bayer Leverkusen. And that's your look at sports. And now to end the news, a reminder of our top stories. Taiwan murder suspect Chan Tongkai walks free from prison. There's a report that Beijing is preparing to replace Carrie Lam as chief executive and the government's business relief policy comes under fire from a pro-establishment party. The news from RTHK. A sunny morning. The smell of freshly baked pineapple buns. The ding-ding of a tram as we head to work. Neighbors laughing. The beguiling beauty of our harbor and skyline. This wonderful city has been built with the love and sweat of everyone. Treasure Hong Kong, our home.
Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the One Two Three Show this Wednesday afternoon. It is the twenty third of October. Gosh, the month is flying by. It's Hump Day Wednesday. I'd like to give a big thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew this morning. And on today's show, we're starting with a pretty serious topic. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We're going to be talking about domestic violence and abuse with Doris Lau and Susanna Lam of Harmony House, which is a shelter for women and children in Hong Kong. That's coming up after 